Hey friends, Abner Suarez here. You're tuning in to the new NUMA Godcast. Be sure to download, subscribe every week with my dear friend Norman Brown, who has a guest that will bring you insight, understanding, and tools to equip you to live in this world as God intended you to live. What's up, family? This is Norman, your host of New Numa Godcast. If you have enjoyed hearing my podcast, then you will also enjoy hearing me in person. For those who want to contact me for ministry or speaking engagements, or for some other reason, please email me at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com and place in the subject line speaking engagement, ministry engagement, or whatever applies to why you are contacting me. You may also find the email address in the show description of this episode. God bless you, and I look forward to you being here again for the next podcast. What's good, New Numa fam? I'm your host, Norm the Professor, a.k.a. Norman Brown. Welcome to the podcast where you come to get the real from a biblical perspective. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'd like to personally welcome you and want to let you know a little about what you may expect. I attack the raw issues affecting the church and the world at large today, giving you biblical backup for everything I say. Basically, this podcast gets in your face with issues that are trending, taboo, and tough to talk about, which today's watered-down churches don't even touch. I also interview Christians of all types of backgrounds, careers, ministries, and more to put on record their stories of redemption, salvation, and victory to inspire you to walk out your kingdom purpose to expand the kingdom of God in the earth. If you want the truth, this is definitely a podcast you want to hear. So get your spiritual ears ready to hear what the Lord is saying to the church. Peace. Welcome to the new NUMA Godcast. Today, once again, I have my friend Terrence in the house. What's good, Terrence? Peace, peace. I'm good, bro. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to have you on here once again, man. We always have a good time. Always get into something good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So um, last week, you and I were talking, and um, like always, a lot of times you and I would just have a discussion, and it won't even have anything to do with the Bible, and then all of a sudden, somehow the Bible comes into it, and it'll be some interesting subject that comes up. And last week, the subject that came up was concerning angels. And the reason why is because, you know, there's a lot of people out here that are probably like myself, how I used to be, um, where I used to wonder, okay, when the Bible is saying that there's certain things happening, is it God that's doing it or is it an angel that's doing it? And then there was even times where, you know, I used to say, you know, I remember when I used to be like, are we praying to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, like you know, making it such a complicated thing when it isn't. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that wonder, okay, so when the Bible talks about God doing certain things, is it him actually doing it or does he send angels to do it. Now, I'm going to say, and you probably concur, there are times when he's actually doing it, but then there's times when he sends angels to do it. 
Would you concur with that? I would agree, except that I would say that when he's sending angels to do it, he's still doing it, but he's doing it through them. But I know okay. we'll get into that some more later. <laughs> yeah, so I agree with what you said, too. I just, I was just saying it in a, a more simplified way, that's all. Okay, so here's a point that a lot of people are probably wondering, like, when things are happening in their lives, how is it happening? You know, um, the Bible has given us many different examples of people, you know, um, having situations where angels showed up and did things. And more often than not, we're seeing angels speaking to people in the Bible than we do God himself, um, whether it be through Jesus or through God's spirit speaking to someone in an audible voice. But in those times when it's like God is speaking um, specific things, it's like a very important reason why he showed up or why he's the one speaking at that moment. Not saying that it's not important when angels show up. I'm not trying to disregard angels at all. But I'm just saying it's like it seems like it's an extra important reason why God shows up. Would you would you say the same? Um, I guess I would see it a little different in that I would say that, um, well, we, when we look at the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, many would argue that angels were more active because people didn't have the Holy Spirit to speak to them directly. Um, but yeah, I would say most definitely if God himself showed up in a significant way, and bypass the angels, that's for a specific reason. And I also believe that when he sent angels, that's for a specific reason, and they may, they both have their own significance. So I'll say it like that. Okay. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to start out with a passage of Scripture that, you know, maybe uh, the audience is familiar with, maybe they are not. But uh, I think that it's fitting to at least start the scripture, I mean, start our episode with this. And um, it's about the time when Peter was in prison and uh, how an angel came to free him from prison. So I'm going to start at the part where it gets into Peter being in jail. So it's Acts chapter 12, verse 6. And it says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord, and that phrase, angel of the Lord, is a very key phrase. You'll see it throughout the Bible. So we'll get into that a little bit later. The angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he says unto him, Cast your garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and did not know that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, 
They came unto the iron gate that leads into the city, which opens to them of its own accord. So in other words, this gate just opened up. Nobody touched it. It just opened. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So right there, it backs up what you were saying earlier. It says that the angel was sent to do it, but it was the Lord delivering him. Right. So then, verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, You are mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. So there's a few things to be brought out in this scripture um, passage. Um, the first thing that I want to bring, the, well, we already brought out the first thing, but the second thing that I want to bring out is, we see that even though Peter is being rescued by an angel, it's not like Peter is walking through walls <laughs> and uh, he's not walking through gates that are made of metal and he's just passing through it like it wasn't even there. Right. These things are actually physically opening up. The chains physically fell off of his arms. He walked through the midst of the wards and nobody saw him. Now, whether those people were asleep or they were blinded to seeing him, I don't know. We don't know because it doesn't say. But we know that when the angel showed up, a light shined in the prison. So I would think that with a bright light shining, whoever's awake is going to see that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no doubt. You can't miss the bright light. Um, so I think that even with God, allowing that to be written in the scriptures is to show us something about how this happened and how significant this was. But again, also, we also see how it wasn't like the angel picked him up off the ground, said, let me carry you out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He told him to get up. He said for him to put his shoes on and then to put his clothes on. So it wasn't something that, the angel did anything for him other than cause the chains to fall off, cause the door to open, and cause him to be able to walk through the midst of those wards without anybody seeing him. So that right there is giving us an, an idea of how things would happen if we encountered an angel. So what do you have to say about that so far? I mean, yeah, that's that's real. When you look at it in the natural, you might see, if you are awake to see it, you might see the chains falling off, but you don't see the invisible realm. You don't see what's happening behind the scenes. And many have attested to things happening supernaturally 
and we would just praise praise the Father, praise God. He delivered me, you know, even accidents and um, being in near-death situations. And you may not be astute enough to know that God sent an angel to protect you or to move that car out the way or to, to, to um, embrace that car while it was flipping over, you know. But I believe that that's the great thing about the scriptures where it gives you the backdrop so you can see beyond um, the natural and see what's happening behind the scenes. But, yeah, that's, and that's dope, man, when you just think about that God has sent. I think about that scripture where it says it was Peter's angel that God has sent, you know, angels assigned to us, uh, assigned to our assignment, or that we have parallel assignments <laughs> to to be fulfilled and that he has actually sent angels to make sure that we accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. I, I believe that's that's dope. I, I love when um, the scripture breaks out things like that because it lets you know that not only is God with us, but he has sent his support and his reinforcements to bring the past what he told us to walk in. Yeah, um, I agree, man. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of, I was also thinking about the situation with Paul when he praised God and sang songs and all that in the prison. And then all of a sudden the prison doors open and whatnot. And the guy who was guarding the prison, I guess, realized later, and then he was thinking Paul left. But Paul was still in there talking about, nah, we in here. And that was kind of cool because it was like, in one sense, it's like they got a chance to see, yeah, you, you experienced the power of God just now. But at the same time, they realized that Paul, he wasn't running away from it. He was like, yo, I'm here. You know, don't worry about dying because I know he was thinking about he was getting ready to die because Paul escaped. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yo, don't worry about it. I'm here. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to die. But um, but but here's the thing that I wanted to um, point out to people about God, which is something that I don't think that a lot of times we don't think about this in the moment when certain things are happening. God is a king. And we notice how, if you notice how earthly kings function, you will get at least an idea of how God functions because kings got their type of, you know, for the most part, their way of operating from the way God operates. Now, I will be honest that I really find it fascinating that some kind of way kings came up with the systems that they came up with and all that about how they function and everything. And it wasn't like there was some school that says, this is how you act like a king or this is how you, you know, rule and reign over people and stuff like that. People just had their kingdoms and they function how they function. But how they put their, you know, kingdoms together was very critical. And, I've heard it said by some people, which I agree with, that when Jesus showed up, he showed up at a time when there was a kingdom that represented the way God's kingdom functions the best, and that was dealing with the Romans and how they function, how they move. 
And, um, and you know, like, I watch old movies. I mean, not, well, they're old still. They are old, but they're not really old. But movies like Gladiator or whatever, when they showed up at that spot where he was supposed to be and they were coming to get him because they found out that he was trying to escape and all this stuff. And then they were like, open up in the name of Caesar or something like that, right? And and so it makes you think, oh, okay, so in the name of Caesar, you have to open up this gate. So in the name of Jesus, these things have to happen, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he is the king and he's the one who has the authority. And the authority was in that name. The name of Caesar behind that was the the authority to say, open up the gate. So it's like, um, I think it's fascinating. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but, I mean, I don't know of any type of scriptural, anything in scriptures that indicates how people knew how to rule like God. But at the same time, it's almost like, because God made us in his image and likeness and he basically told Adam to just, to just dominate. It's almost like it was innate in us from the beginning. What do you think? Yeah. I, I believe that ancient civilizations were more in contact with the spiritual realm and not only interacting with God, but even interacting with the uh, rebellious angels. And they learned things that the rebellious angels took from heaven and learned things about kingdoms, about how to operate and how to function. We know Israel, um, well, I want to say a lot of things, but some things they got from when they were in Mizraim or Egypt in Kemet, and they learned something, things about the order of kingdoms being in Egypt. And Egypt, you know, they had this system set up, and we know that there was a lot of things going on with them interacting with the the gods, false gods that, you know, Yahweh sent Moses to, to come against. So ancient civilizations dealt with spirit spiritual beings all the time and learned about how to operate. And I believe those beings took those things from being in the throne, in the throne and being in heaven understanding how heaven operated and and taught those things to these um, kings who really in their mind was they are living gods. And so they set up kingdoms around them being the embodiment of whatever the, the God was that they were worshiping. So even prior to Israel or prior to the, the true kingdom manifesting in its fullness, you still had ancient people interacting with spirits and learning certain things that was already in operation. Hey, this is Bill Vanderbush, and I want to encourage you to check out my friend Norman Brown and his podcast called New Numa, and you can go to newnuma.com to find it. It's P-N-E-U-P-N-E-U-M-A.com. Norman talks about everything from identity to grace to diversity to unity to reconciliation, and he, his desire really is the same as what's on my heart, and that is to bring people together to be the kingdom of God, to express the love and grace of Jesus here on the earth. I highly encourage you to check out Norman Brown and the New Numa podcast. Thanks for choosing a New Numa Godcast today. If you're here, it's not a coincidence. So take the next step and subscribe today. Also, for you YouTubers, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lastly, if you are on social media, 
follow me at Norm the Professor on Instagram and Twitter. And follow the podcast at New Numa on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook today. That's New Numa. P-N-E-U-P-N-E-U-M-A. Peace. Yeah, I agree. So it seems as though uh, somewhere along the lines there was, like you, like you said, it's like some people or people in general had an idea of how kingdoms were supposed to be run because they were more in tune and tapped into the spirit realm until the times where it's so ironic how the longer that civilization has been around, the more people have tried to act like the spirit realm doesn't exist. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and that, that part right there, I feel like is very key as to why we see the types of issues that we see in the world today, because we got people that literally think there is no God, there is no spirit realm. There's only what we see in the, in the natural. Um, and you know, whatever it is, what it is. And, they just disregard all the spirit realm, and it, it's like, I mean, so, sometimes I want to just shake people into reality and say, why is it that you can't see this? This is right in front of your face, you know, and but, but I me, know that, but go ahead. Let me build on that because we remember the Western uh, civilization, the foundation of human philosophy and, and logic and everything moved from being interacting with spirits and gods to interacting with your logic and, and with the mind and with philosophies and arguments. And I believe that at that time, that's when it shifted to where they tried to um, explain away everything that was spiritual. And, and really, they, it became the, the foundation of human philosophy. And then we're still operating in that, especially with the scientific age and the more we get into the science and the, the knowledge and the things we discover about the material world, it's moving us close, more and more further away from what they would call primitive people. But they were, they were advanced in spiritual things, but they were primitive in um, knowledge about the known world, about the material world. And mm -hmm. so that's what I believe that's, you know, it's a continuation of that. You know, it's interesting that you said that too, because, it made me think about all of these people that we say are third world nations or whatever. And a lot of times you find in those third, so-called third world places, that's where people understand and know that there is a spirit realm and they, they have a reverence for certain things about it and a fear of certain things about it. And yet the more it seems like people seem to be so-called, uh, modernized or um, involved with technology, they have less sensitivity to it, typically, overall. And, um, and I, just, I just think about every time when I see how people go to other countries, specifically they go to like an a Africa, African country or they go to Indian territory in India, or somewhere like that, those kinds of places where you'll find those kind of people that still live off the land and they're not really into the technology stuff. They don't even have a cell phone or whatever the case may be. 
and those are the very ones that experience the power of God the most because it's like they are actually experiencing and or expecting it because they believe and know that there is a spirit realm. They believe in it. They operate from that in, the, in certain ways, in their own way or whatever, which is why you find a lot of witch doctors in Africa and various places, and then you find something similar to that maybe with a different name in India or places like that. Um, I know that even like in Mexico and certain places like with um, Apostle David Hogan, um, where he operates his ministry, those people are kind of like they, they've been getting certain some types of exposure to technology through when he comes there or shows up and let's say it's his first time in a certain village or whatever. But even in all the time he's been over there, there's still villages he's never reached. There's still people that he's never reached before or seen or whatever that have no real contact to the outside world. They've never seen vehicles that run on gas or stuff like that. They've never seen a cell phone or anything. It's like they just live off the land and they just exist, so to speak. And it seems like those are the places where they are, they are tapped into the spirit realm. But to not get too, you know, off off track, the point I was trying to make, huh? Let me get on that real quick. What you were saying, I, I just want to attest to the truth of that. Like you said, you also see it um, with people not exposed to technology and certain things. They have to rely on, excuse me, the, or they rely on the spirit realm or the tradition of the ancestors. On on the negative side, you see um, you see interactions with with demons, and and they're not just you know just playing around. They're actually interacting with these spirits, and that's why you see when apostles come through and, and different missionaries and people come through with the power of God, that's why you see the kind of miracles, signs, and wonders because it's a power confrontation. And uh, But these demons in America or in Western civilization hide behind the uh, lack of knowledge. They hide behind the knowledge of science. So they will work, but they don't work the same way. Um, they don't manifest the same way because they let manifest behind intellectualism. So we do see that those power confrontations like in the days of uh, um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Moses in, uh, um, in, in Egypt when he was um, being used to deliver Israel from the gods, the false gods of Egypt. You see those power confrontations more directly and more um, plainly. It's, it's more plainly seen because there's no... Um, question about if there is a spirit realm or if there's a God, they, everybody knows that there's a spirit realm. So now it's about who has the most power. And so that's why we see those things happening a little bit more um, drastically in places like that versus, um, you know, arguing and debating about whether God exists and that kind of thing. But I, like I said, I, I want to take you off, but I wanted to comment on that because I think that's a reality and a lot of people a lot of people um, talk about why don't we see miracles, signs, and wonders like this? Well, one of the reasons is because um, um, we're debating about whether God exists instead of having those power confrontations and dealing with those spirits. And you see a lot of deliverance that happens when you're actually, a lot of miracles that happen when you're dealing with deliverance and, and dealing with people who are deep in the occult 
and other things like that. So it sounds like from what you're saying, and I kind of, I, I think I agree with it too, is that the times when you actually see the power in a place like America or maybe England or somewhere where it's a lot of just technology going on is when it is a confrontation between those who are really servants of God versus those that are true deep servants of Satan. Like they know what they're doing was for Satan. Is that what you're saying? No doubt. Yeah. They deep in it. Yeah. So for people that are just sinners, quote unquote, um, they are, it's, it's less likely that you're going to see the same type of situation with them because, and this has actually been one of those things that somewhat kind of um, confounded me a little bit because I have really wondered myself. Because okay, so I'll give you one example of why I, I, I what I've felt. I felt like. When you look at um, how we are, we are able to get certain types of medicine and operations and stuff like that in America, it makes it to be like there's less and less, there are fewer and fewer things here that we definitely absolutely need God to intervene in. In other words, if it's not cancer, if it's not diabetes maybe, if it's not COVID, if it's not, you know, something that's like the, a major problem that there is no cure for and blah, 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 then that's when we will see the power of God really show up. But when it's not one of those kind of situations because it's something that we've, so to speak, conquered in America, then we're not seeing the power of God show up necessarily because we have the surgeries and stuff like that that can take care of it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that because that's where our faith is at because the the power shows up or the manifestation of God's power shows up where our faith is. So if our faith is in the um, technology and the medicines and all that and the trusting what the doctors are saying, whatever, that's where it's going to go. Um, not to say that we shouldn't, because I believe there's wisdom in that, and that that was one of the ways that he manifested his wisdom and power is by enlightening man and giving us tools to let us know that we can conquer some of these things and shining the light on the ignorance that we had, you know, in ancient times. So I do see modern medicine and things like that as a manifestation of his wisdom. But that takes away from the supernatural, I can say the dynamo or dynamic miracles that need to take place because now it's manifesting through the wisdom that he's given us. So let me ask you this way then. Do you think that that either takes away from the experience with God for an individual or do you think that that's just something that God has as a natural progression, so to speak, of things as as it pertains to certain things in life that exist, if you I, know what I mean. Yeah, I understand. I, I think it's both because I, I believe that it speaks to one of the plans of, of God was to make us more like him, to show that we are like him, that we are gods in the earth, 
and so that we can discover problems, solve problems, and do that. And so we're doing that. But the thing is, when it's not attributed back to him, when it's not accredited to him, the wisdom, I think about that scripture, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and it's the glory of kings to um, search it out. Search it out. And so he's, he has, um, in time, orchestrated and mandated certain revelations or understandings about creation that we've all benefited from, and that's to his credit. But we don't always give him credit. And so it, with that being said, that then begin, begins to um, go to humanism, where we think that we are the ones that came up with this on our own or we're just so smart and we try to neglect him. So I think both. Both can happen. It depends on who the people are that's um, telling the story or creating the narrative about what's happening in this age. I think in every age he reveals different aspects of himself. But what we do with what he reveals determines how the the culture or the people uh, will respond to him, if they're going to acknowledge him in that. Uh, So I don't know if, if I'm being clear on what I'm saying, but I think both is happening at the same time. Yes, I think you're being clear. Um, so here's the thing that, and I, and that's why, why to me, I was like, okay, we're seeing less and less of manifestation in America with power against power, but we see it a lot still in what we call the third world countries. And to a degree, it almost just makes me want to go to a third world country so I can see the power of God in ways that I've never seen it before. You know, because I'm like, I want to experience certain things. Now, you know, if I were to talk about my situation with COVID, I feel like I experienced the power of God there. And... Part of it was because at the time when I went into the hospital with COVID, number one, there was no shot that you could take. There was no, you know, booster shots and nothing like that. This was before we even got to that part of the conversation. It was the pandemic was just starting, and it seemed like they were always talking about people were just dying by the droves the way that they kept reporting it. And um, so a lot of people were shook. Pretty much everybody on the planet that wasn't following God was shook. All of them thinking that, oh, if I get COVID, I'm going to die. Or that they can get COVID just by driving around in their car, which is why a lot of people who are misinformed drive around with masks on their face. And I'm like, what in the world do you think you're doing with that mask? That didn't stop COVID from getting in your car. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you think you're going to stop COVID? Well, first of all, do you think COVID is just hanging out in the air, just waiting to jump into your car or something? I mean, come on, man. This is a silliness that we're seeing because people are so ill-informed and, and, and because they're so just thinking any and everything they do could mean that they're going to get COVID. The point I'm making is that um, when I was in the hospital with it, I went in with, you know, a certain mindset that it is not going to do anything. Uh, I'm not, I mean, it's not going to take me out. Let me say it that way. I went in already believing that it is not going to take me out. 
I'm going to come in here and I'm going to come out better than I came in. And I just had that expectation the whole time. And um, I do remember there were some times where I would, I would be about to go to sleep. And then a thought would cross my mind of, what if I went to sleep and I didn't wake up? But I would quickly, you know, over, override that thought and, um, and just keep on moving. But the, one of the things that kept me going was thinking about the fact that the Lord was speaking to me about what he wanted me to do when I left there. So that was one of the things that showed me I'm obviously not going to die if I'm going to do something. You know what I mean? Like if God is telling me what to do when I leave here. So that was how my faith was there. You know, the word of God says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That was the word of God that I heard that kept me alive. That was where my faith was, you know. So I'm only I'm only, I'm saying that to say that I saw the power of God because here's the here's the thing that happened that was very very interesting. With COVID, it's all about your pulmonary system mostly, where it's about your breathing and everything is about your breathing and oxygen and all that. And so that means it attacks the lungs. Now, when I went into the hospital with COVID, there was only one symptom that I did not have of all the symptoms. No, there was, I guess it was two. Two symptoms. One was nausea. Well, I actually probably did feel nausea, but I did not have, um, I did not have the, uh, I think it was vomiting or something like that and diarrhea or whatever. But the point is, is that when I was getting scanned, when they scanned my lungs, they said my lungs look perfectly fine. Now, the reason why that's significant is because if anybody knows anything about how COVID works, it goes after the lungs. It goes into the lungs. It's like an attack on your lungs. And there's um, a story that I heard about a 20-year-old girl well, woman, I guess you could call her a woman, um, who um, was who had COVID, and then when they looked at her lungs, they looked like 50 years of smoking cigarettes. They were so bad off after she got hit with COVID to the point where she needed to get lung transplants. Both of her lungs were replaced. She got lung, a lung transplant for both of her lungs, so that she could live. But, the, and so I'm saying that to say, my lungs were not touched, but I had the same symptoms that those people had. And what God was showing me in that moment was that he was allowing me to experience what was happening to give me a firsthand view of what this was and how it affects people. But at the same time, the Lord was showing me that he's not going to allow the enemy to touch me in certain ways. There's, a, there's another guy that I heard of who was hit with COVID, and the guy who, is a guy who works for me that told me about it. It's his brother-in-law. He said this guy used to be, let's say, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say 250, muscular and all that. He lost all this weight, like maybe half his body mass or whatever, and he also lost the ability to do the exercising and all that that he could do before that. 
he can't do it anymore. And that's how badly he was hit with COVID. It affected his lungs and all kinds of stuff. And, again, the point I'm making is that the power of God maintained me in that sense to where the enemy could not touch it. And it was kind of like how God spoke to Satan and said, you could do this, this, and that to Job, but you cannot touch his body. You cannot kill him or whatever. He's like, you can't go this far. So I feel like that same thing happened with me. But I'm saying all that to say that that was how I saw the power of God show up in my situation. And my faith was always in the fact that the Lord was going to keep me and he was going to make sure I came out of there alive. But that was also a situation where science and technology and doctors' knowledge and all that, none of that could save me because they didn't know enough. They didn't know nothing about it to be able to do anything. The doctors told me straight up. They said, sir, um, just want to let you know, I mean, we, we've heard of possibly there's something where, you know, we get some plasma of someone who had COVID and it would have antibodies in it and that's the type of treatment that we could possibly give you or whatever. But aside from that, all we can do is keep you comfortable and give you Tylenol. So, so to a, let me let me show you something in that, what you just said. So <laughs> the way that you described that, you talked about you talked about your faith and you talked about how God, you know, protected your lungs. And I mm-hmm. would say how the ancient people would have said it. This is just an example to, to connect the people to the topic that we're talking about. They probably would have said something like, God sent an angel to protect and cover your lungs while everything else was going on. Because mm-hmm. they would have they would have um would have connected what God does with the vessels or the the uh, instruments that he uses to do it and said that it was that now you may not have seen the angel, uh, but it was the angel protecting and guarding you. And we have scriptures for that, that we're going to go into later guarding you and protecting you because you are an heir of salvation and because you have an assignment to accomplish. So they would have inserted what they knew about how God operates in his plan and said that it was his protective angel that did it. So it was God doing it, but he did do it through a vessel or through a, through a vehicle as an example. And when you, get the, when you get a moment on that, I want to, uh, you got, um, can I read the scripture real quick? To connect yeah, good. All right. So in Psalms one Oh three twenty, it says, praise Yahweh, you mighty angels or Malak or Malakim, if it's plural, who do his word or carry out his word, who hearken to the voice of his command. And that really speaks to the one of the functions of angels is that they are sent to perform his word or to do his word. When I looked up what it meant to do his word, it means to institute or to establish or to set in motion or to install so whatever he has decreed, his utterances, he has sent angels to actually install or to establish what he has decreed or to carry out what he has spoken, who hearken unto the voice of his command. And to me, that's powerful because now we, we see behind the scenes that God has spoken something 
but then he has sent his angels to actually do the enforcing or the establishing of what he has spoken. And that speaks to a whole lot of things that we see angelic activity going on when God has said something, because we usually connect it to his creative word. His word has creative power, but we don't connect it a lot of times to his, the authority of his word that releases uh, his, his, his agents to go forth and to do and establish what he has spoken creatively. Yeah, so that's good, man. That's good. And I, I just wanted to say that, um, again, that uh, it's so interesting how, like, even in that scripture that you just brought out, like, in, in the King James Version, it says, talking about the angels that excel in strength, and they, they hearken to the voice of the word of the Lord, like you said, but they excel in strength. That's the key word phrase that, that I um that I've seen in the King James version, which I really like, and um, it shows you know the angels are strong, and then um, so I just wanted to give a couple of examples, other examples, and we can go deeper into it. I know you were talking about getting into certain things um, later on. Matter of fact, why don't you why don't you go into that what you were talking about, and we'll and we'll pick up from there. Hello? Yeah, I think I was talking about when you said get into it later on, I'm trying to remember what part I was talking about with that. Um, so we, we were talking about, like, we were talking about how angels do certain things, um, even though it says God did it, but it's the angels that are carrying it out, and you were saying something about, but we'll get into that later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, for instance, um Let's look at when we there there is um there are passages where the scriptures talk about how God gave Moses the commandments that um he gave him the law. And then there are other scriptures where um I don't know if you remember Stephen, I think it's in Acts 7:51 through 53 where it says that the angels gave Moses uh, the law. So I don't have my Bible with me right now, but I'm just, I'm giving that for a reference for people who, um, who are following and tracking. And it also speaks to, um, I think Paul even says in Hebrews in two, one through two, where it says the word was spoken by the angels. And you don't even, you don't get any of that in the Old Testament. All you get was that Moses was interacting with Yahweh, the Most High, directly. But then you see the apostles and you see Stephen saying that he was giving the, given the word of God by angels. And that is to me, when I looked at that, I'm like, wow, that's something to be said right there because that's something that they had knowledge of that uh, obviously it didn't translate over into popular knowledge or common knowledge to most of the church because most of the people would say that he was just always directly relating to God um, face-to-face, one-on-one, 
but he was actually getting information as well from the angels. Um, do you have that? Do you have the uh, scripture? Uh, any scripture? Uh, a Bible with you right now where you could check Hebrews two one through two? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hebrews two one through two. Hold on. <clears throat> So it says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Okay, so that's one example where it talks about the word that was spoken by angels. Now, many would say people who, um, the scholars who look at that and they say, well, he's referring to the the um, law of Moses. But then some will say, well, I don't know. But then if you go to um, Galatians 3.19, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be putting you to work, bro. <laughs> that's all good. Galatians, no, let's go. Galatians okay. 3.19. I believe that's yeah. the reference. What does that say? Um, it says... Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom <clears throat> should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Mm, so it's saying that that's, it was um, in the hand of a mediator. That's talking about Moses right there in that con- in that context. But it's saying that it was ordained by angels. So obviously God was working through angels to deliver to Moses everything that he needed to set up the thing. And I think one more one more passage of Acts seven, fifty one through fifty three, because remember Stephen was um he was the one that was uh persecuted and stoned to death. But I believe he made reference to the angels in um seven fifty one through fifty three as he was giving his testimony before they stoned him. All right. What was that again? Acts seven fifty one through fifty three. Acts seven fifty one through fifty three. Okay. <clears throat> All right, it says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have now have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the dispos- disposition of angels, I have not kept it. <laughs> so I think that those three, you know, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. We see that the apostles and the new covenant church was actually saying that, that, that God was actually using the angels to help establish the law and establish the covenant um, that they would have said it's God. And I believe going back to what we were saying earlier, it's both, you know, it's God but he uses his um, intermediates. Um, there was some, one thing that I wanted to point out that um, 
when I looked up the word as far as uh, I have to find out where it's at now, but where, where it talks about angels being sent to man, um, that sent is um, apostolos. Um, and it basically shows that angels are kind of like what you could look at as the first apostles. If you look at how he used the angels in the old covenant and even in the new covenant, he sent them apostolically to establish his word, establish his will, and to convey certain messages. And so there's a real, a real direct connection between what God is doing and then what the angels are doing because they're actually um, sent forth with his spirit to, to manifest his will and what he's saying. So now here's the thing that I'm not saying that this is something I'm going to, that I believe or rather that I would say, but here's the thing that some people would probably try to push back on a little bit because this word angelos is also, it says a uh, messenger or by implication a pastor. Now there's a scripture passage in the book of Revelation that well, I think it's going to kind of help in this little discussion because it talks about to the angel of the church at blah, blah, blah. And then that word is the same Greek word that we're talking about right now. So some might say that that really is talking about people who are sent as messengers to the church. And... You know, so that is a valid, uh, that's a valid um, disposition for that. So that's, this is where, and this is also where I believe that we have kind of, um, in the church, sometimes we're kind of like, some things are, they are being debated, so to speak, because it's like, we have to look at the context of when certain things were used or how they were said or whatever right. to really know what is it really speaking on. Now, if I were to be honest with you, um, I cannot say without a doubt that, I mean, and maybe it's because either I don't have other uh, passages to be able to say this is what that is or not, but I don't know that I can say without a doubt that the angels is talking about is spiritual angels versus the the pastors or whatever people that were speaking the word of God to the church. You mean in, Re- in the book of the Revelation, right? Well, no, book of Revelation I know is talking about the pastors, but what I'm saying is talking about the ones that you were pointing out just now from Galatians and stuff like that. I don't know that I can say for sure that that's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I can say for sure that that's a angel spirit being or if that's an angel pastor, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I um, got what you're saying on that. I got what you're saying on it. Yeah, you would have to look it up and see. Um, I mean, it's not that it invalidates what you're bringing out, but I'm just no. saying, like, I'm just saying that in, that's, in those specific cases, can't necessarily say for sure, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, like I said, it depends on the context. And, like, if we look at 
specifically um, what was said in the book of Hebrews for it's saying uh, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So, yeah, we would have to go back to the beginning of it to get the context. I, I just went straight to that um, that verse. But, no, yeah. I, I get what your point is on that. And let's just say, for instance, for the sake of those who might be, because I'm more of a skeptic when it comes to a lot of things um, when it's, you know, when claims are made. So I can get with that. When we see angels, we do both agree that sometimes it is talking about human um leaders uh, because yes. angel angels in and of itself doesn't speak to the classification of the spiritual being it speaks to uh the classification of a function the being a messenger yeah so mm-hmm. yeah we, we we would agree with that um we would say that but then the other thing is the thing that we cannot deny going back to the one old um the one that i read with um psalms 103 20 mm-hmm. is that it is the angels who actually oh yeah definitely yes yeah definitely and so and usually when those angels perform that word or bring that word they bring it to a human counterpart who have to actually do something in the earth to manifest something that god has declared in the heaven so i guess the main thing that i'm bringing out is that there's a parallel assignment that god has assigned and there's another scripture i don't have it with me now where it talks about how he is allotted, how he separated or divided the nations according to the number of angels. And so that, that there is an assignment that principalities have, chief rulers have over areas, and then there's an assignment that he's given to his people, and there's something that we have to do that we're stewards of, but then we have a parallel counterpart in the heavens who are assigned to that same thing. So that just speaks to what you were talking about earlier as far as us being, as far as him being a king and having a government. But his government isn't just earthly. It's heavenly and earthly. And so he has to make sure that he has agents or people who are are, um, spirits who are assigned to any realm that he operates in so that nothing, the ball doesn't get dropped. You know, it's interesting this this came to me as you were speaking and you were talking about that parallel assignment. I like that, how you said that. And it made me think how when it's speaking of the angels, it could be that the angels that are in the spirit realm working in conjunction with the angels in the natural realm, and and they together are bringing the word. It could be no in doubt. that sense. No doubt. I agree with that 100%. I think that scripture testifies to that in and, and many occasions. So I'm actually I've been actually trying to find this thing about the number of angels. Um, while we while we're on that, because that's an interesting thing. Uh, let me see. Um, let me see if I can pull it. I'm thinking is it Deuteronomy 32? Let me see, eight and nine. 
you know, that one is dealing with according to the number of the sons of Israel. I'm going to have to pull it for you. Um, Because there's a scripture that actually does talk about how he divided the nations. Let me see. Okay, Deuteronomy 4.19. I'm not saying this is the one you're talking about. But it says, unless thou lift up thine eyes into heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God has provided unto all nations under the whole heaven. And I didn't, let me see. Um, I'm gonna pull it because I know it's. I know it. now. That's not the one. I like that one. That's not the one. But I'm gonna pull it at some point in our conversation and bring it out. Okay. Well, so let's just say this. Well, we notice that in the Bible, uh, there's different types of references to angels dealing with people. Um, we see where the Bible talks about. I, uh, what's his name? Jacob wrestling with an angel, um, which we know in the natural, that's not a real battle. That's not a real, that's not even a fair fight. <laughs> I mean, the angel is always going to beat the human no matter what. It's like, you know, so really, it's not even that he was really wrestling with the angel. It's more like the angel is like he's putting up a fight. He's really putting up a fight. Let me let him put up this fight until he either gives up or whatever. And then he finally just hit him in the thigh. I was like, oh, ooh, <laughs> now he's walking with a limp the rest of his life because of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a reminder, you know what I mean? But but the point is, is that you see that, then you see, like, an angel. The Bible says the angel of the Lord, which I believe was the Lord himself, showing up to Gideon. Then you see the angel um, that shows up to Abraham, and he's got, it's supposed to be like three angels, but we know that the one is God, and the other ones are his, you know, I guess you could call it his uh, God, not gods, but for lack of a better word, it's like how Centurion was followed by certain gods or whatever, or you had Caesar maybe being followed by Centurion, something like that. Just like part of the way a king moves. Um, but but it is also interesting how it said in that passage what that I'm talking about with Abraham, it was like God was like, should I say something to him or something like that. And it gives you this idea that God he seeks counsel sometimes, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but it's like in him seeking counsel, is that him just being, I mean, cause it's like, okay, you got the certain beings that surround his throne all the time. And then you got the certain beings that, you know, he sends to do certain things. And, you know, it makes me think about like, when um, Daniel was praying and then he said that an angel showed up after 21 days 
and told him why it took 21 days for them to get there and how it really wasn't 21 days that it took for him to be heard, but it took 21 days to beat the principality that was trying to stop the word from getting to him. Right. And we see in that situation how Michael, who is an archangel, was brought up. Now, I know, you know, we, you and I have discussed certain things along these lines, and some of this we're going to say, I, I'm going to just give a disclaimer, <laughs> that we're not saying to go read these books or anything like that, and we're definitely not going to tell you that uh, these books have answers that you need or anything like that, okay? But there are references made such as through the book of Enoch, and um, it speaks of certain types of angels that are not named in the Bible, but they have names in the book of Enoch. And we also know that certain passages of scriptures are referencing the book of Enoch, such as the book of Jude, which talks about he will come with his 10,000, you know, um, 10,000 uh, angels or whatever, 10,000 people, um, the host of 10,000, rather, that will come with him. And that same specific passage is spoken in book of Enoch. So it seems to be that there are certain people specifically in the early church, the fathers that were referencing things from the book of Enoch. And if you read certain places in the book of Genesis and other places throughout the Bible, there are things that line up with certain things in the book of Enoch. I'm only saying this to say we don't hear about angels other than uh, Gabriel and Michael. But we know that there are obviously other angels, and they all have names. Now, the one thing that I've, that I've thought about, and, you know, I want to get your take on it, is how, okay, Michael was the one that showed up for Daniel's prayer. He was the one that was called upon to fight against the Prince of Persia. What a lot of people have seemed to either believe or taught or whatever about uh, Michael is that he's like the archangel assigned to Israel or something like that, or the people of Israel, Jew, the Jews. Um before I go on to the next point, what do you think about that? What is your What are your thoughts on that? Okay, before I go into that, I just want to say real quick, I did find that scripture reference that I was talking about, so we're gonna go back into that in, in a minute. But my my um, belief in that is that you could gather that Michael was assigned to Israel because of what we see in Daniel, but then when we see Michael in the book of the Revelation, I would say he was assigned to what I call Israel, spiritual Israel, all those who would be in covenant with God. Um, But we don't know that in the Old Testament until we get to the New and see him operating, you know. And so I I would say Israel, yes, he was assigned to Israel, but he was assigned to those who are in covenant with God. So now that that would also include uh, those who have come in by grace as well. yeah, so here's the thing that really I'm, this is what I'm 
trying to, I guess you could say, address through this, bringing this up. Okay. Because I really feel like, um, well, first of all, the fact that, that that angel, which is Gabriel, had to get Michael to come help him, and essentially Michael actually dealt with him by himself because the angel came down after that, and he spoke to Daniel. So Michael was dealing with that prince by himself. Now, what was I'm, that Gabriel and Daniel? Well, maybe I'm assuming. Um, I do. I think that Gabriel showed up at least one of those times, but it seemed like there was twice when he showed up, or an angel rather showed up to Daniel twice. Or am I remembering incorrectly? I feel like I'm there thinking. Was twice. I'm thinking. Um, hold up. Let me go to it. Um, Uh, okay. And Daniel 10, it says 12. Then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, Persia resisted me for 21 days. But behold, Michael, one of the pre, the chief princes came to help me because I had been detained there with the king of Persia. Now, I'm trying to see where it says, I don't think it says who that first angel was yeah, prior right. to, to Michael coming to help. So it was, because I think Gabriel is more in the messenger category and Michael is in the chief prince, uh, archangel category. But, yeah, I think that's what's going on with that. But go ahead okay. with what you were saying. So, okay. Now, this is where I guess we're having a, this is where I need to read the scripture passage because there's something else that I think came before this that is interesting. Okay, so I'm going to start up here in um, verse verse four of chapter 10, Daniel 10, chapter 10. Okay. And um, in verse four it says, and in the four and 20, 20th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which... What's up, family? This is Norman. Thanks for listening to New Numa. We appreciate you, and that includes your feedback. What do you like most about the podcast? What are your favorite subjects? What types of guests would you like to hear more? Shoot us an email today at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Peace.